back to another edition of the SBK betting podcast, where before we begin, we want from the SBK family to have a big congratulations to our good friend, Tom Collins, who's just had a little baby boy, Cody. He's off for a couple of weeks, enjoying the delights of being a new father and also being able to use the time off to watch as much racing as he can without being bothered. So uh, we're wishing him all the best to him and, and we look forward to seeing more of Cody soon. But... For this podcast and for our Goodwood preview, which will be coming up, uh, we have a very special guest, which is Luke Elder, who you will recognise from SBK Saturday Night Selection podcast, and you can also find him on Sky Sports Racing. Luke, great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, we've got rid of Tom for a couple of weeks, so congratulations to uh, to Tom. We were trying to convince him on the, the SBK Saturday Night Selections to name his son um, Don or Donny or Mo after Mo Donegal who won the Belmont Stakes, but <laughs> I'm a bit disappointed he's named he's named his son after Cool Cody, a Cheltenham Festival winner. But it's, <laughs> it's all the same. An absolute legend to this podcast is Cool Cody, but um, yes, I did think it was going to be some sort of American jockey, a uh, Jose or an Irad, but we've got a Cody to join the family. Uh, Ross Miller, as always, thank you for joining us. We've got the midsummer highlight of the King George um, at Ascot to look forward to this week to dissect. I personally think that this is a really good addition to the race, even though numbers wise, it's not that deep, but we've got an Irish Derby winner in Westover. We've got a, we've got an Oaks runner up in Emily Upjohn. We've got an international superstar in Mishra. We've got the arc winner in Torquato Tasso. We've got a bit of the enigma, but this seriously talented broom. And then we've got the admirable pile driver who's got group one glory to his name as well so there's a really good feel from my opinion to this race people are saying that it lacks a little bit of strength and depth obviously we don't have desert crown but we've got two very very talented three-year-olds at least uh within this field and luke i'll come to you first because i think that this is this race obviously it lacks sadly desert crown but we we're going to be set up for something quite interesting and always with this probably a pretty tactical run affair too. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think the, the outside of the, of the field, probably Broom is going to be the, the pace angle in this after uh, making all at Royal Ascot last time around. But you say, some people say it lacks depth. I think it's a sort of race at the end of the season, we could look back and go, oh, wow, that was actually a really, really good race. You've got Westover and, and Emily Upjohn. They were the two unlucky horses in the the English uh, classics in the Derby and the Oaks. Obviously, Westover, we know what happened to him. Emily Upjohn kind of messed up the start a bit and, and delivered her challenge on the wrong part of the uh, the track. But they're two very classy individuals. Mishriff has gone through a bit of a change. Obviously, no David Egan now. Uh, James Doyle taking the, uh, the ride uh, this weekend. He ran an absolute stormer last time around in the Eclipse. He, he got into a, a little bit of trouble. Obviously, Takata Tasso, great that he's turning up but I think bizarrely I think Broom is the most important runner in this race just for the fact that because of Broom we're sat here with a little bit of pace to at uh, at potentially pile driver might go forward but I'd imagine it would be more Ryan Moore trying to do exactly what he did uh, at Royal Ascot but yeah I, I didn't think I'd say this about the King George this season but thank goodness for Broom. Yeah I know I couldn't agree more and I think if there is a fanatic pace it could really set it up for the my selection, which I'll get to a little bit later, but maybe um, Luke, you can give us what, what your thoughts. I know you've mentioned jockey choices. I think it's um, disappointing, if anything, that Rob, Rob Hornby hasn't uh, earned his right to get back on Westover, uh, considering the Group 1 double he had a, a couple of weeks ago and the fact that he's ridden more 
winners at Ascot than Colin Keane, but such as life, and Colin Keane sticks on Westover. Do you think that's the right move? And what's your selection? Um, Westover is the selection. Uh, Colin Keane, I think he's naught from 46 at Royal Ascot. He's only ever had one second as well. So it's... I wouldn't say it's a concern because off the top of my head, I can't remember any horse that Colin Keane has, has had come into. I mean, let's face it, it'd be Royal Ascot, wouldn't it? Uh, that would be an absolute hot pot. But Westover, I, I would I would imagine things are going to go fairly nicely. It will be a case of trying to do exactly what he did in the Irish Derby uh, last time around. He'll sit handy. He'll try and track Broom, try and sit second or, or third or so, and then pick them up late on in the uh, the day. I'd imagine Emily Upjohn and, and Frankie Dettori are going to try and maybe act as the uh, the, the stalker to, uh, to Westover. But the way that Westover went through the derby, he just looked like a very, very good horse. He's improving all the, the, all the while. Obviously, over at the Curra last time around, he, he travelled immensely through the race. They went a decent gallop. I think he was he was a beneficiary of maybe a few tactics elsewhere in the race going a little bit astray with uh, the, the Oaks winner given a, a heck of a lot to do uh, by, um, by Ryan Moore, but you still have to take advantage of that, um, of that chance. Westover did exactly that. I still think there's a, a fair bit more to come as well. So yeah, Westover is the selection. I think potentially mischief might be the danger. I love Emily Upjohn, but I'm just—I don't know why—I'm losing a bit of a bit of faith with um, uh, with her. I'm not a hundred percent convinced about that uh, that Oaks form for all that I do think she was by far the best in it. And Mishriff just ran an absolute stormer last time around. I've never been the guy that's really warm to Mishriff. I must say I don't know if it's because his best form has been abroad and he's never a hundred percent translated that back to the UK. I know that Judmont was was very good as well, but his best form has been uh, elsewhere. Last time around, though, in the Eclipse was a very, very good run. He almost should have won that. And to do that against Vidani and Native Trail, that's form that would very much be giving Mishriff a bit of a chance in this. James Dawes, no issue whatsoever taken over from uh, from David Egan. So Mishriff, the, the danger, but I really do like Westover. I know we're going to be looking at a shorter price, but I, I think he's he's without doubt one to beat. Yeah, I just feel maybe his Irish derby form taking a couple of knocks. Pisbadil, very disappointing, the Cranberry de Barry. I don't know if he should be a short price for this, but yeah, I agree with you, Luke. A lot of respect for him. Mishriff, Ross, um, Unex, he's only, only had a couple of tries at this trip, including last year, where he was that valent second. But he has to give plenty of weight away, which puts my question marks around him and Torquato Tasso, plus the ground, and for Broom, and for Pile Driver. So the three-year-olds having that advantage, that really, it makes such a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, it does seem a huge amount of weight to have to concede, doesn't it? Particularly when he couldn't do that last year to to add AR. You wonder at his age now, he's probably not progressing, you wouldn't have thought. Um, so yeah, for me, it was very much down to the, down to the three-year-olds. Uh, I thought Westover got a bit of a gimme last time at uh, at the Curra. Um, I think if you'd have designed a race for him, the way that panned out would have been absolutely perfect. I don't think he will be able to get past Broom, and I suspect Pile Driver will be in front of him in the early part of the race. I don't think he'll get past them as easily as he got past Pispadil at, at at the Curra. Um, and uh, I I just think Emily Upjohn's just an outstanding mare. I mean. My concern will be whether she'll settle in this smaller field. I think, ironically, uh, doing a roly-poly out of the stalls at Epsom perhaps helped her because she had a huge wall of horse in front of her, which helped her to settle. Going into Epsom, that was my my concern for her. But I think if she does settle and he can find a little pocket to, to put her in, 
that the gear change she showed coming around the, the, the bend into the straight, I mean, ironically, widest of all, um, which probably cost her the race. It was a huge gear change and she did it so easily. And I can just see her tracking these into the straight. And I, I, I just think she's got far, far more gears than, than Westover's possibly got. I mean, they're talking about St. Ledger for, for him. I think they could comfortably be thinking about mm-hmm. bringing Emily Upjohn back in trip. Um, I just think off this quick ground, I think she's just got too many gears for them. Um, and provided she gets the ride she needs. And, you know, I know they're all happy families again, but I, I, I'm yet to see what Frankie's done that shows he's riding better. It appears to have just been a, a big work ethic issue, not a riding issue, um, because mm. I, I think he's made a, a couple of small mistakes in recent weeks. Provided he, she gets the run that she needs, I, I think she'll quicken past these comfortably. Yeah, so it is all about, you know, you, I go back to, in my mind to when Enable ran in this race as a three-year-old, everything panned out so well, but you, it's very, it's wrong to ever compare, but she was able to settle so well, she was able to go tactically, she could do whatever she wants. Could Frankie just bowl along and take Broom on? Could she, he, to try and take that fizz out of her, or is that something that you would rather him not see? I'd really rather he didn't. I'd really rather he didn't try that. I'd, I'd like to see her sort of sit in a little pocket, fourth, just in behind Westover. Um, there's six runners. I mean, you've surely got to find a gap with six runners at, at, at Ascot. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I just think I think she's too quick for them. I really do. Yeah. Okay. So Emily up, John Ross. I agree with you. I think she's also fresh. She hasn't had as much racing recently. And obviously, she had that mishap with travel to get to, uh, or did she? Uh, we don't know, to get to get over to Ireland last week for the Irish Oaks, which I do believe would have been possibly an easier race for her than this. Um, but they've, they've opted to come um, to, over for the King George instead. And she gets additional weight, not just the age allowance, the sex allowance as well. I think that she's been looking absolutely brilliant in any sort of workout pieces that we've seen. We we should touch on Tocata Tasso. Can't leave him out. He's clearly a, a huge talent, but is he just ground dependent? That's the thing that hangs over him a little bit. Um, don't really know where he is in in uh, relevance to the rest in terms of the form that he's shown this season. He was obviously very impressive in Hamburg last time. And um, look, it, as Luke has rightly said, Broom could really set this up nicely for the two selections, which are Emily Upjohn and Westover. So take your pick. Uh, I think it's going to be really fascinating and um, it will set us up for what we've got to look forward to for the rest of the season. And hopefully we'll get some more clashes and especially if Desert Crown can face some of these as well. Um, so that's the King George um, at Ascot on Saturday. As always, there's plenty of good racing throughout uh, the day on Saturday and before we get into this, uh, last week we had quite a good day. Uh, Eddie's boy um, landed uh, the Super Sprint for Ross at nine to one. So well done, Ross! And um, that was a serious performance. Can't believe he went off at nine to one. That's a br- brilliant price. Huge price, wasn't it? And a, and a really big performance. Um, grabbed the rail. Never saw another horse. Um, everything Holly Doyle has built her career on, actually, you know, smarter and stronger. Yeah, completely. Uh, I thought that was yeah, a wonderful ride. Um, so nine to one, great selection from Ross. Um, Mr. Waggy made it a journey worth of, worth while over to Ireland and came in at five to one for me. So that was uh, that was good. So no pressure, Luke. On to you. We need a nap. 
Um, it could be anywhere, but you need to give a great, great case for it Saturday. Yeah, just to say, with, with Mr. Wagyu, um, I covered Sean Quinn's shift elsewhere, obviously John Quinn's son, on Sunday. Didn't realise the reason, but at about 4 o'clock, 4.30 on Saturday afternoon, I had a, a lovely picture of him with a, a pint of beer in the the Curra owner's room. I think this is why you're working Sunday. Ah, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. So thank you, Sean. Goodbye. Um, yeah, pressure's on. I'm not 100% sure what price my nap's going to be, but... It runs in a 127 at Newmarket uh, in the form of the uh, the parent for Richard Hannon and, and Pat Dobbs in the Abade colours. A really, really eye-catching debut. Came from a mile back at Sandown, as we all know. That's never really the place you want to be, in particularly uh, on the round course, flat hurdles or uh, fences. But ran a, a lovely race. It's a race that when the parent actually runs, we're going to know a lot more about because Golden Speech, I think, runs today as we're recording this at um, Sandown. One Nation, I think, runs on, on Friday as, as well. But the parent was the only one to make up any sort of ground whatsoever. Related to a few uh, nice enough individuals as uh, as well is by Frankel out of a mare called Sophie P, who used to be trained by Mike Smith over on these shores. She went over to America, instantly was a grade one winner um, in, I think, Santa Anita. But the parent just looked to be potentially the, the real deal on on that first start. Like I say, finished fourth. Nothing in the race changed except for uh, the parents' position. I'd imagine that that Richard Hannon's charge will be a, a little bit more towards a shorter side. Not, not saying anything crazy, but nine to four, two to one-ish. I, I think that's going to be a, a very fair price. And we've seen Richard Hannon unleash quite a, a few nice youngsters in the, the last few weeks. I think this could be the next of them. Yeah, and good to see Pat Dobbs is booked. He's going to Newmarket instead of taking up probably uh, plenty of rides at Ascot as well. Um, so the parent, that is uh, an interesting two-year-old son of Frankel for the Hannah team who are in, in great order. Um, okay, thanks for that, Luke. Um, we'll get to your place bets next, but we'll go to Ross first for his nap. So, so I got it down to two, Jess, but I got a sneaky suspicion that you're with me on one. So being the chivalrous gentleman that I am, I thought I'd leave you to, to that one. And I've had a bit of a swing at one at a slightly bigger price, but I do like her. Um, in the 150, uh, 150 at Ascot Bridge, now she won by an easy six lengths at Weatherby on her debut. Um, the horse in second, Commander Straker, has come out and won since. Pretty much everything in behind her has run well. The fifth horse was something like 10 lengths behind her. He's rated in the high 70s. Uh, she was disappointed next time at Pontefract. Uh, potentially not disgraced um, when being beaten by a good horse of Richard Fahey's uh, encore, uh, rousing encore. Um, she's been away from the track a while since, and I suspect that suggests that something was not quite right when she returned. So I'm prepared to put a line through that, through that run. They were so keen on her after Weatherby. They were talking that they thought she was an Albany filly. Um, I'm sure she's better better than she's shown last time at Pontefract. I think the favourite in this Lazoo is vulnerable. This will be a third run inside three and a bit weeks. She looked a bit lackluster, I thought, last time at Newmarket. So no reason why she'd be better back here at Ascot. So at, at a decent price, around about eight to one, uh, I'll have a go at Breeze for the Quintine. Yeah, that's a good-looking race, that. Um, I know that SBK ambassador George Bowie's got Kinter in that as well, who he thinks a lot of as well. So that's the 150, the Princess Margaret Stakes at Ascot for Ross. And thank you uh, for being uh, such an uh, admirable gentleman um, and giving me uh, the op opportunity to talk up Claymore, um, I assume, for the uh, the York Stakes at York. I'm um, 315 
I don't know what price he will be. I would expect him to be pretty sh- pretty short, so get it as quickly as he, I can do. It's uh, it's quite an interesting race. There's not a huge amount that have been declared. I think it's only five. He's got the likes of Dubai Honor, who hasn't been seen since uh, running fairly disappointingly in uh, May Dan in the Shima Classic. Um, Dubai Futures in there as well, who was a winner at Royal Ascot and Wolverton Stakes. But I think Claymore won the Hampton Court Stakes in the manner of a very good horse, better than he is now. And he gets weight from his elders as well, which adds another extra element. David Egan's on board, which is great for him. Um, replacing Adam Kirby, who I assume is elsewhere. And I believe that he can back up that win last time. And uh, Jane Chappell-Hammond has got the source absolutely perfect. And I think this is this is his ideal trip of 10 furlongs. So Claymore for me um, to add to our naps. Um, and then we've got an opportunity for our place bets as SBK has placed only odds on all races. So something that might run at a bigger price for you, like Luke. Yeah, the, the, this one was a bit of a concern going into the podcast because I didn't know which race Orban was going to go for, but he goes for the right one in my mind in the, the international uh, stakes, big seven furlong handicap at Ascot. He was also in the, the 445, but Orban is the the perfect sort of place horse. He doesn't really win that often, but he always shapes nicely, especially in these races. Now, not a massive fan of the jockey booking. Sylvester D'Souza is on board, which Ascot is a track that he doesn't really excel at whatsoever. In the last few seasons, he's got an awful record at it. However, Orban is a, a relatively straightforward ride in, in that regard. He's drawn in stall one, so yeah, he's on the, the, the far side and, and on a bit of a wing. But again, it's just a case of taking a pull for, for him sitting in behind and, and racing three quarters of the way through the, the field. He, he shaped really well on his last few starts. He, he ran a, a massive race at Epsom at three starts back when absolutely nothing got into the race whatsoever. It was that bizarre race that Bowman managed to win it at 80 to one. Lord Rapscallion was second. They were first and second throughout. Orban managed to make up ground. He followed that up with a good effort at York last uh, a couple of outings ago behind Northern Express. That form looks fairly strong as, as well. And the run at air last time around, I, at the time, I was a little bit underwhelmed with it, but he bumped into Guido, who for Ferrer is a, a decent enough horse. And also keep in account, this is Orban we're talking about. If you were back in Orban to win, I would I would 100% put you off. But if we're just talking about a place bet, I think Orban could be a could be a really attractive proposition in that market. Okay, thanks, Luke. Yeah, that is this is a really good race, um, which I'm gonna. I've got a selection, a couple of selections for as well. Um, a really hot handicap, um, Orban for Luke. Um, for Ross, and where is yours in this race? No, I'm uh, going hard or going home, and I'm going to give you an each way, each way double. Um, the first is a three o'clock at Ascot, Ropey Guest, uh, who's done me really well this year. He is a perennial bridesmaid, um, but he's been in fine form. He was second in the Buckingham Palace uh, stakes at Royal Ascot. Um, he's then followed that up with a good second at Newmarket last time under this jockey, Callum Hutchinson, who I think is very good value for his for his £5 claim. He loves Ascot. He'll give you a run for his money. He might not be good enough to win, but he's 16 to 1. I thought that was a decent price off just a pound higher mark. And then the second is uh, in the 240 at York, Venturous, uh, 14 to 1. He won this last year off £2 higher. Um, he's now down to 93, which is £13 below his highest winning mark. Uh, he has been given two awful rights on his last two starts, being given far too much to over five furlongs. There's two ways of looking at that. They're either awful rides or they're very good rides because he's coming down the handicap. He's now up to six furlongs. 
you know, just have that little bit longer to, to get going and, and navigate the traffic that will invariably be in front of him. Um, I think 14 to 1 is a huge price. Okay, Ropey Guest and Venturas for Ross, um, an each way double at your peril. Um, for me, I'm going back to the um, uh, international stakes as well, and I could not separate two. Tactical, and they've both drawn what other sides of the track. Um, tactical is in two, air to air is in 20, but after Royal Ascot, I don't know where you want to be on this straight track. Tactical has just not had anything go right for him on all of his starts this season. Um, I don't think coming up to a mile did him much many favours uh, last time at Ascot on the round track uh, where he was fourth of six in the summer mile. Quite an interesting selection going there, but he's the kind of horse they need to keep going with. He's always He always seems to do well out of his racing and they're always trying six. They sometimes try six, they try seven. Seven was the best um, race that he ran in when he was um, sixth in the Buckingham Palace Stakes. And um, that day he was behind uh, Ropey Guest. Um, and I just think that he was really unlucky from where he was. Uh, didn't get a clear run. Needs things to go his right way. I like that Ryan Moore's back on board. And he's probably going to be bigger than about 10 to 1. But things just need to go his way. So slight, slight worries hanging over him. Air to air is the other one. He's a bit more of a gamble because I don't know if he's quite good enough. Um, but George Bowie, I'd imagine, has had this race laid out for him. He's only ran once uh, this season where he won well, beating Spirited Guest. Not a massively strong handicap that he won. Um, he's gone up four pounds. He's still pretty well well weighted. And I just think that this could be a bit of a plot job and we might not have seen the best out of him. So a little bit of a, a guessing game there. Um, but two horses that are completely polar opposites, one that could be just right in their handicap mark, one that could be just below it at this stage. So two for the international, um, two uh, each way places uh, for you to get involved with. There's so much racing on Saturday, as always. And this is going to lead in so seamlessly into our Goodwood preview, which will be worth listening to next. Luke's going to be on. Ross is going to be back with us um, and make sure that you tune into that next because there's plenty to look forward to at Goodwood. But thanks Ross and thanks Luke and listen up for the preview coming next. <laughs>